0: One of the other the cultural stories that's been kind of interesting to look at, there is a country music singer named Marin Morris, who just recently announced that she's leaving the genre. And she gave pretty detailed explanation for it. She did an interview with the Los Angeles Times, and and, and, and there were it was very detailed. And I'll just read one of the things that she said was that she was talking about some of the people, the fans of country music. And they, she said... They were proud to be misogynistic and racist and homophobic and transphobic. And it's not out of true joy or love of the music, it's to own the libs. And that's so not what music is intended for. Music is supposed to be the voice of the oppressed, the actual oppressed. And now it's being used as this really toxic weapon in culture wars. And I I think that's pretty accurate summation of what on the
1: nose. Yeah.
0: And she she mentioned briefly the former band, the Dixie Chicks, who I mean, you know, like before the, chicks, the word can't, who are now Dixie yeah. Chicks. Are they? Yeah. Do they even exist anymore? I, I, they I do, but they know. just
1: got rid of Dixie. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, makes thought sense. about it, mm-hmm. but yeah, but like the at that time in in the Bush administration, I mean, there was no term cancel culture, but like you couldn't have gotten a more direct example of that. And the memories, and the
1: lessons learned, and the rivalries, and the best we know
0: oh
1: is the life we breathe, and it feels like oh till it's us. When
0: I think that this is something that maybe the more elite. Center left people don't get is that right wing culture is a hundred percent politicized. But it's like people on the left at the donor level they've they pulled back actually. There was an, another story from this group called the Movement Voter Project, which is like a coalition of local community activist groups, and they've said that Democratic grassroots donors and Democratic big donors have dramatically reduced the amount of money. That they have been giving in 2023 and even as trump is yeah. tied or ahead depending on the poll with biden
1: lately like a point ahead
0: yeah and it's like that's it's that really is something that like you and i get and i think a lot of people listening um they get that as well but the people who are higher up on the food chain and the you got to get them to understand the right wing is not going to stop they're not going to get tired And just give up. They have to be driven out. And there's no alternative. Like, you cannot negotiate with them. And and you're seeing that. Like, Kevin McCarthy, the past several weeks, have Mm. been fighting off an insurgency. He he keeps giving them everything they want. And if there were moderate Republicans who actually had some gumption and real concern about their party, they would act on it. And be like, you know what? This is all bullshit. We're going to go and elect a Democrat. Because we're tired of your idiocy, but they won't do it, and they're they're too cowardly, and so that's really the only way. You have to keep you have to keep pushing, and like these people are going crazy because they're losing. Like I think we have to remember that, and always yeah. keep that in sight. A
1: dying mule always kicks the hardest. Is a I, I learned that phrase specifically because. Wait, wait, what was it? A dying mule always kicks the hardest, and I, oh, okay. I remember yeah. reading an article about the right wing backlash that it, it, I think it may have even preceded Trump, but it was as you were sort of feeling, feeling it rise. Someone mentioned that. And there's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they they are terrified of losing, not in the short term, but certainly they are aware that they're losing in the long term. I want to go back, though, to Marin Morris, because I think that just because we talked about her so briefly, one thing I want to really commend her on is that she could have just slinked away, right? I mean, she said that she's going to continue to make music. She's probably going to not going to make country music anymore, but she'll, you know, she'll find her way into something else. But she could have just done that. But I think it's, I think it's awesome that she took the time to say on the record why she was leaving, because I think that she. I mean, she said it with the awareness that there is a lot of shit that she will get from that, but she felt the need to say it, and I think it was like an important thing to, to put on the record. just think that was awesome of her. Yeah, absolutely. And also, it's at a moment when we've had these kind of viral, I mean, and she brought them up, right? We've had these moments of country virality that are com- completely based on the most hateful people in the world feeling like they finally a song that understood them and, and listening to it over and over and pushing it into the top of the charts just because they think it, it celebrates the awful stuff that they believe in. So I was glad mm-hmm. that she really, that she took the time, especially in this moment, to to say exactly why she's getting out of there. And there were some people who, in response, said, well, country left you behind or accused her of using this moment for... That she was making a big show of exiting because she wasn't getting the attention. She, I'm sorry. There's no way in which she increases her star power in the country world by saying these things, right? I mean, she becomes pers- person, mm-hmm. non grata So I think it was. Yeah. I just think she did it.
0: Well, and and there's a risk also outside of country trying to get into some in, other industry that people in other genres will look at that and be like, oh, she's a loose cannon. Right. She's going to criticize me if I take a chance on her coming into whatever pop or rock or something. And so that took courage to do that because it's, yeah, like it's not just backlash from fans. Like this could harm her career, even exiting it, doing it in yeah. such a public fashion. So yeah, one of the things you, know.
1: you pointed out to me was that in 2020 when she was getting, I didn't, I didn't know this because I actually didn't know her before she announced that she was, kind of quitting the country music scene, but that she had taken the time when she was accepting an award to highlight Black women in country music. And that, again, is, I think it just kind of speaks to who she is because I have some of those women in my playlist and they're doing awesome stuff, but they, uh, most of them have been pretty transparent about the kind of pushback that they've had. And some of them have said there have been people that have been very welcoming, but there's obviously, country is still highly, as you said, politicized genre and mm-hmm. it's 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 hard to be a black woman in a in a place that it that can often be incredibly inhospitable to your mere presence
0: yeah well and, and country music also is like I mean just by sheer proximity that I mean the philosophy that we have called Confederate Christianity like that's that is the aesthetic that we're talking about here yeah and country music just by where it came from it became sort the of de embedded facto.
1: in the music, right? I mean, I don't think yeah. lyrically, or but yeah, what did it arises
0: sensibility, yeah. Well, but it's it isn't also just even the content so much. It's it's also that one of the core features of Jim Crow and segregation is that black people were not supposed to be visible. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't supposed to be public figures. They weren't. They were supposed to be like. There's that saying about seen and not heard about kids. Well, they didn't even want to see black people at all um, yeah. as public figures. And so But the reality is, of course, the South was always extremely black. <laughs> yeah. I mean, from a demographic standpoint, and depending on what state you're in, like Mississippi was majority black for um, huge amounts of time in the United States history. And there were other states and regions of the South where that was the case. And But yet, if you looked at the cultural products that were put out, by the powers, I mean they're
1: signifiers of whiteness, right? Like I yeah. mean, country music is in and of itself the sort of cultural signifier of whiteness, and I think it's why you get so much pushback if you, like, I I'm a I love Hank Williams. I literally have gone to the Hank Williams Museum and have myself with a cutout of have pictures of myself with a cutout of Hank Williams. <laughs> but when you if you know anything or if you've listened to any interviews and and with. Hank Williams he talks about it as a kid that he this is he chased around this older black man who taught him how to play guitar and when you bring up stuff like that, I think there is always pushback about talking about the roots of that music and how you cannot mm-hmm. you cannot remove them from black music and there's there's a in the same way i mean we see the same thing in rock right i mean. I don't want to get into the whole conversation about Jan Winner and what an asshole he is and the fact that the owner of Rolling Stone was willing to go on the fucking record and say that black musicians weren't able to articulate in a certain way. And so he valued these basically a crop of white musicians who have always outspokenly on the record and even during a period in which white musicians in America were unwilling to say it said that they were copying black musicians. Right, So, I mean, obviously there's a sort of different inspired, aesthetic yeah. and sensibility. No, the Rolling Stones have literally talked about copying black musicians, right? Mm-hmm. So want to talk about Led Zeppelin, I have never seen a band and I could do an entire podcast about I've never seen a band so wholesale not not so much wear their influences on their sleeve as as rip them off. I mean, you can A, B, Led Zeppelin and blues song. Mm. I mean, there's a reason why they're one of the most sued bands in music. But the point is like, I think that there's there's this idea that certain music forms are white and, and 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 other music forms are not. And with country, that has, I think, even as we've talked about the real roots of rock and roll and there's been real pushback on this uh, mm. narrative of its whiteness or the whitening of rock and roll, that hasn't happened so much with country. And so for her to acknowledge these black women who are working in this genre where they're Often they're some of them are making really amazing music and not being acknowledged. That's kind of a, a big deal. And that she took a moment when she was herself was being awarded to point it out is
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to follow. I'm, my point is I'm going to figure out what she where she's going next and I'm going to listen to her.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, so but so it's a it's a presidential year, which means of course there are a zillion articles about. Well, what if the president completely dropped out and resigned. And then we had a completely new ticket. Like, we see these every election year. Um, yeah. And it's not like these things are totally absurd. And because obviously Biden's really old and Kamala Harris's approval ratings are pretty low. And so are Biden's. So, like, these are not totally, I don't know, ridiculous. Like, well, I mean, they are stupid, but they're not completely out of left field. But nonetheless, like, if you really believe this stuff you should have said it probably in like 2022 or maybe late 2021. And like and but, but they didn't. Biden's I didn't see any ratings of that, so. are,
1: are, and Biden's approval ratings are really high with Democrats actually.
0: Mhm. Well, yeah, and I mean it, it's it, it is it, it it but people are just doing this like it's and Democrats Especially in the the D.C., New York, Acela Corridor, as it's sometimes <laughs> called,
1: yeah.
0: have this idea that they don't understand that the Democratic voter constituency is different than the Republican voter constituency. Like the Republican voters are addicted to politics. They watch it obsessively every day for hours. They have Fox on there, turn it on in the morning. And they have it on as background noise throughout uh, yeah. the entire day. And they're retired. So... They're at home listening to that blather all day. Whereas Democrats have jobs, they have kids, politics is like a second order thing for them. And so they vote Democratic, but they're not particularly interested in the ins and outs. And it's not a cult. Joe Biden is not a cult leader. That's what it comes down right. to. And Donald I'm, Trump is.
1: Right, it's it's different. But, but I'm particularly interested in the fact that there is so much conversation about Kamala Harris And the fact that she is still a heartbeat away from the presidency. Like, I am pretty sure that the focus on her is unique. And I think that it's not incidental that she happens to be the first woman African-American, South Asian VP ever. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think, I think that the proof of this is kind of, I think it's pure scaremongering. I think that there's a reason why Ted Cruz announced on his podcast that he thinks Michelle Obama is going to be the nominee. Roger Stone, I just found out that Roger Stone, this is also a theory that Roger Stone is floating, that there is this conspiracy happening behind the scenes where they are Planning to remove Joe Biden, put Kamala Harris in for a very brief period, and then actually switch mm-hmm. her out with Michelle Obama. Because we're we're clearly all just kind of replaceable. I yeah. think just, Although, like, I have seen it on. with Hillary
0: Clinton. I have seen it with Hillary Clinton also. Sure.
1: Actually. Someone else who I mean uh. that's <laughs> but I, I mean I don't I, I think the fact that the scuttle the conservative scuttle is so focused on michelle obama and kamala harris michelle obama who has said again and again that she has zero interest in politics and mm-hmm. kamala harris who biden has already said he's absolutely not dropping i i think that it's not and, and even these con- there's conservative rags in the uk that are pushing this idea that Meghan markle's gonna be put in and Whoa, that what i have not relative, seen that there's a biden relative to its supporter and if there is a biden relative who i she's like biden's I don't remember what the relationship is, but who said that she would support Meghan Markle or were she to enter politics. But they, the headlines, of course, which are just <laughs> slash newsstandy, are that Kamala Harris is or pardon that Ms. Meghan Markle is potentially going to be the next president. So I think it's a I think it's classic sort of Republican racial fear-mongering, where they really want to, they know that they're, the idea that if you don't go out and vote for Trump, and Nikki Haley is running on this, basically. Like, she spends almost all her time talking about Kamala Harris, saying that she's failed at everything she's done. I mean, she's essentially running against Kamala Harris, and getting Which, good numbers.
0: They are trying to, uh, they are trying to racialize the, the campaign in, in, by talking about Harris as so much, because like most people don't care about who is the vice president because the yeah. vice president doesn't really have any, I mean, has no literal authority um, other than what the president gives them. And so, and, and in fact, you know, in any given survey, there's about 15 to 20% of Americans who have no idea who is the vice right. president. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, so it isn't about her job performance because most people don't care about exactly. what she does, and they don't what know what a vice, vice
1: president does anyway. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. The so president. there are no real expectations, and in the same way that I mean, I mean, people have made criticisms of her as a weak public speaker, and and I mean, I think it really depends on on how they're slicing it. And people have made criticisms of her leadership uh, ability, yes. and that's she's true
1: with folks that are com- columnists and reporters who who are not working in right wing media as well.
0: That's right. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's important to to note that. But what you're saying here, this is different because, yeah, like and, and you reminded me of an experience that I had. So when I was in right wing media, we had had a comment section on our on the site, one of the sites I found and called Newsbusters. And one of my writers who would he was one of our most prolific writers, and he would sometimes write about Michelle Obama, from a policy standpoint, because he didn't like some of her policies, whatever it was, I forget what he was like, he wrote about more than one thing. And she had some policy things like school lunches or whatever. And he noticed and he said this to me. He was like, whenever I write about Michelle Obama, the comments, I always have to turn them off after yeah. a while because they start getting racist. And then he's like, and it it's really disheartening to me, Matt, to see that. That, that happens
1: Were you guys unaware of which party you were aligned with? <laughs> well, <laughs> you news know, for
0: you. I know, I know, I know, Callie. I know how it is now, but like, but I'm telling, te- because like I've told you in the past that Republicans who are not racist, they want to believe that the two parties have the same number of racists in them. They really want to believe that they want to believe that they're just, that there's just as many racists that are Democrats and that are Republicans. And it's just not true and like that having that realization was part of my exit and as somebody who has a lot of black relatives it was really awful to see that sort of thing and and but yeah so like but Roger Stone and these people Ted Cruz they know what works and like right. there was another there was another moment in the 2000 the 2000 campaign when George W Bush was going against John McCain some republican operatives launched a underground rumor campaign against McCain, claiming that he had 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 black daughter. Yeah. Uh, And in fact, it it was was his Indian adopted.
1: There's a general way that they play on anti-blackness, but I think there's a particular fear of black women in power. And I also think, and this is just occurring to me, but I also think this is a really, it's, it's, it's an, Optimal moment for them to do it. Not that it isn't, not that every day isn't a great day to demean black women on the right. But right now, when so many of, I think there's so much black women visibility, right? We had Katandi Brown Harris on the Supreme Court. There's Leticia James <laughs> and, and Fannie Willis are mm-hmm. prosecuting Trump, right? So I think, and there's so many, Biden has appointed so many black women federal judges and these very visible. Black women in his administration, so I I think it's it, it, it's a particularly intense moment of massage noir for them to play on.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think so. And and it's it's also that right wing campaigning because it can't run on policy, it has to run on personality. Like historically speaking, you look at every single Republican presidential campaign. The reason you should not vote for the Democrats isn't because you disagree with their ideas. It's that there's something wrong with them personally. So yeah, and in I'm Obama's football, case, it was... You
1: don't want to have a beer with them.
0: That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and in the case of of Michelle Obama, she's a black woman. <laughs> that's enough uh, to hate her. And right, that counts to, as
1: personality, right? That counts as a personality. That's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, from their standpoint, absolutely. And it also does show that, that there's a real connection between... The elites, Republican operatives, as much as they want to sort of pretend that they're not like the yokels, and they really think of them as such. Absolutely. Um, they despise their their voters. And But as much as they make fun of them and ridicule them, we've seen with that Richard Hanania guy that there is more of a connection between the, the highbrow right and the lowbrow right, I would say. Yeah. Here's this guy that, he basically, you know, his, the things that he is passionate about and that he says, they're just like a well-articulated version of the racist shit you go here at a at a Confederate bar in Alabama or something. It's it's indistinguishable from it. And, and then when he got exposed for his activism and explicit racist, sexist stuff, it's it didn't really affect him at all. It hasn't impacted at him. All. Harper Collins has continued to move forward with his book, and I think if anything, I was think just... he's
1: gained followers.
0: Yeah. No, I I think that's right. And Elon really... Musk
1: is a follower, unsurprisingly.
0: Oh God, of he course.
1: Without it, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, Elon Musk started following him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, like that's a perfect example. Yeah. I mean, as much as they want to say that they're different from the people that they con and trick into voting for them, they really are not.
1: The fact that HarperCollins, even with the cover of him being outed and even having an excuse for dropping that book, is shepherding this thing into the world that is just a way of maybe introducing some new people to the idea of racist pseudoscience or giving them a way to articulate it that they didn't have before, so it's cloaked in kind of more academic verbiage. Yeah, I don't think that's the best idea. But you know what? Probably people who are buying that book already know what they are signing up what for. They're and, doing. Yeah, and they're, yeah. You know, they've already co-signed the opinion. So
0: yeah. Well, and it's yeah. I mean, and I mean, God, these people have been doing that for decades with Charles Murray, uh, right? Who so. It, he's just the latest, Charles Murray, and and I and I will say maybe just one little quick thing is that Hanania. One of the things that is a little different about highbrow racism versus mm-hmm. lowbrow racism is it does tend to be more. It, it tends to be atheistic reactionism yeah. as okay. opposed to religious, and so and and that's and it's integral to the thinking because they see what they're doing as a form of science and applying science to humans. And like, so whenever you're, for anybody who's listening there, if you ever know anybody that's getting into the idea of evolutionary psychology, that should be a red flag for you.
1: Oritarianism.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's just something to keep an eye out for people. And the last thing for me when I left the right was that I was so horrified by the Christian right and their extremism. And I was like, aren't there any secular conservatives out there? I got to go find some. And then I found some and they were all racist. So I was like, well, all right, I guess I have to get out of here. Uh, That was literally the last thing, my last stop in getting out. But it has been nice, though, to see that there's one person who has maybe had a little bit of comeuppance on the right wing recently. And that's Lauren Boebert. Our favorite. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And but, you know, she's still there are some people on the right wing who are defending her and it's been kind of odd to see it. Did you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess the comparison that they're making pretty consistently is against is with Susanna Gibson, who is currently running for the House in Virginia, and who live streamed sex acts with her husband on Chatterbait. But she's not dropping out of the race, which I think is, which I think is awesome because yeah. What, what two consenting adults do on a site that is explicitly about sex is very different than what Lauren Boebert did in a theater full of people, including children,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, while she otherwise goes out and condemns drag queens and uh, basically hurls the term groomer at everyone. I mean, there were children in that theater.
0: Yeah, well, and actually in the video of her, while she was being fet- groped by her boyfriend. Um, and
1: doing some groping.
0: Of her and gro- well, I was going to say, right when the groping starts, though, she literally turns around and looks at the woman. So it's <laughs> yeah. like, do you see me getting felt up here? And then goes back <laughs> to it and then reaches over for him. Like, right. like I mean, that's such flagrant public act of, of sexual nature. But I mean, the reality is, of course, anything is okay if a Republican is doing it. Right. Like that's I mean, that, that's yeah. the viewpoint.
1: Don't tell me that the party of serial rapist Donald Trump actually gives. A- <laughs> and speaking of people who are possibly starting to get their comeuppance, I think there's Russell. Russell Brand is in the news everywhere mm-hmm. right now and has been for the last few days because of a report, I think it was a, they, it was a collaborative report done by the Times of London and TV4. Mm-hmm. There are four women who say that they were sexually assaulted by him. There's a 16-year-old who said that she yeah. was in a really toxic relationship with him. One woman says that he raped her. And he sort of came out early on this. I mean, it became pretty apparent. I think it was Sunday night when he did his show and said... I just want to say that there is going to be a litany of charges. He used the word litany like five times in one sentence. (laughs) And he said that that he'd always had these consenting adult relationships. He'd been very open about his sexual behaviors in the past and his sex addiction and that he had only ever acted with consent. So we knew something was coming down the pike and it turned out that it was this, which was maybe quite possibly the least surprising thing I think I have heard in
0: months. About, oh, just generally. About anyone,
1: Russell Brand. I mean, if you, Mm -hmm. as someone who never thought he was particularly funny, but has sort of vaguely followed him from before he went full-on conspiracy theorist to now, he's been very open about a lot of this stuff, but in a way that always kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies. I mean, he's, Mm -hmm. he's always seemed like... He was someone that was at least in terms of the way that he dealt with and talked about women, pretty toxic.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I mean, I I had not heard of him until Forgetting Sarah Marshall came out, and okay. you know, eventually, I, I realized soon thereafter he wasn't really playing a character in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Sadly, um, that that movie is actually far better than the ads made it seem, so, but I'll probably never be able to watch it again. This, that no one looks. Everyone yeah. in that movie at this point it seems like has done something terrible. But uh, I
0: digress. I, yeah, yeah. Well, honestly, I feel that way about Michael Jackson's music. I cannot listen to him mm. anymore, and I it I get kind of offended when I hear his music in public places because it's like you are literally, you know, glorifying a a man who raped probably hundreds of children, and you're playing his music in public. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You need to stop that.
1: Yeah, it's a hard one, and I also think that it's one one of those where people have such an attachment to his music that even after, uh, was it Leaving Neverland? Like, in the days after that, I was really surprised that I heard him so often in public, and it's just, like, the quality of the art that people don't want to let go of, because I think that, but other cases, people have been all too willing to, to not play them publicly, but People just didn't want to give up their Michael Jackson. Yeah. I actually, on the other hand, have zero problem with discarding Russell brand because one, this is a, the idea that these women are all making it up. I mean, that's the question. Ben Shapiro went on a rant about how this is the left attacking him basically because he has moved to the right that he's
0: pretending like uh-huh.
1: revered as a hero for a period, which is overstating it quite a little bit, I think, but I mean, if you, if you actually read the report, and, and I did, or the article, it's pretty detailed. And the idea that this is just some conspiracy, it just speaks to why people don't come forward. I mean, to have the mm-hmm. report that thorough, that detailed from someone who has such a reputation. And obviously, there's been the resurfacing of a lot of quotes from various people, including Actresses that he worked with in the past, who maybe pretending that they were joking in interviews, spoke to how gross he was, right? And the way that he treated women. Mm-hmm. Katy Perry, obviously, her name is re entered the picture specific to her, his ex
0: wife. Yeah. For those who don't so know.
1: So he's been shadowed and kind of dogged by these rumors for if all of those things, including the number of women who are speaking. On the record, maybe anonymously, but giving their full accounts. If that's not enough to make you believe that this is something that there's some grain of truth there, then I, there there is nothing, right? It's why it's why women yeah. come forward.
0: Well, it is, and 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 Shapiro's defensive brand was just—it was absolutely asinine. Because one of the other things that he said was basically, "Well, I Russell Brand wasn't raping women in front of me." Uh, Oh, yeah, I I love that. Yeah.
1: And there's another there's actually a a woman, a comedian whose name I didn't know before, but I did see her pose where she said this never I never saw him behave this way. And, you know, people who said, oh, I had sex with Russell Brand and he wasn't gross with me. And a friend of mine had sex with Russell Brand and he wasn't gross with her. And the idea that you're people that you know and love don't ever behave badly when you're not like that. People Or differently.
0: Behave, yeah, yeah, differently
1: or awfully when you're not around or that it's an impossibility is just absurd and ridiculous. I mean, I, I think every woman should think about their guy friends and conversations that they've had with guy friends where they had a moment that they realize that maybe that person is a different person in other situations. Mm-hmm
0: yeah yeah well and then shapiro also basically seemed to be saying that well some of this stuff could be true but on the other hand he's changed his life now so we should just leave him alone and yeah it's like, it was
1: 15 20 years ago i mean <laughs>
0: yeah I mean, what's what what's wrong with the rapes a few years ago like let's put it in the past man
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i feel that's i feel like that's a pretty classic line too is that when when people finally come forward or very often women finally come forward and it's been, say, a decade or longer that people use, like, there's a statute of limitations, not just, I don't mean criminally, but just, like, it mm-hmm. doesn't, uh, sex crimes evaporate into air or turn into dust after a certain period mm-hmm. and it don't matter anymore. I remember, like, I, I mean, not that I've ever worked in comedy, but just hearing from people before Louis C.K. was busted about mm-hmm. Louis C.K., just, like, all these fucking disgusting perv open secrets. like walking around, making jokes, getting slapped on the back, saying bullshit that's super feminist and their jokes, even sometimes, And then just being the absolute worst sex pest in the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can't even
1: imagine. All those. Yeah. yeah. And just,
0: God, I mean, a good comic can do a sex, can do sex jokes. Like people want to hear them. And so, but understanding the difference between talking about sex and not, (laughs) <laughs> and being yeah. free to talk about it and not offended by it, but then that there's still a line,
1: right? Uh, and al- and also the worst is when you find out that all that shit that Louis C.K. was was telling us, he was like telling us, we we, we listened and didn't fucking hear it. Like, oh so you mean all these years I've been looking at fucking Woody Allen's aid Oh no, I wish <laughs> that I hadn't done that. Like, if that's the absolute worst is when you realize they were just like con- it was all just one long confessional. It was an
0: autobiographical. <laughs>
1: Well, anyway, I have to run instead of you.
0: Yeah. All right. Awesome catching up. As, as talking always. Talking
1: to you. See you next week.
0: Yeah. See ya. Bye. Bye. And the best
1: window is Opens up, put away more of us, and the best window is the night we see. I'm It's not enough, but it's the